If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to wrap up today this little series on looking at some of the letters that Paul has written. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at all kinds of instruction that Paul has given to us. Uh, Encouragement, uh, how we can be patient, how we can be a blessing to others, all kinds of things. Today, I want to talk about how we can dispense hope and how if we are going to do that, we need to... To stop guarding the hope that we have, right? There is something that happens in in Christianity because we feel that there is such a sparsity of hope in the world, right? It's very easy to be thrown off course. It's very easy for despair to start to, to creep in. So one of the things that happens is that when we as followers of Christ see the hope that is ours in Christ, we want to protect it. And we try to uh, prevent it from being stolen or eroded or dispensed. And it's almost like we have this hope that Jesus has given and we get it and we say, I've got to protect this. And so we build a fence around it to protect it. Now now I get that. Hope is such a, a precious commodity Why wouldn't we want to lose it? But sadly, so often we forget two things. One, that the hope we have comes from a never-ending supply. And secondly, that one of the reasons that God gives us this hope is that we are supposed to dispense it into the world. When we build a fence around that hope... We're missing the point, and we're doubting God. And Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, who was starting to build a fence around their hope. Ephesus was a beautiful town. It was very well to do. It had all the latest things, the the stuff, the gadgets, the tech, whatever that looked like in that day. But all that stuff and all that beauty had created a false hope in them. They protected the real hope so much that they felt that that the way to live was to create this this pseudo-hope. But pseudo-hope doesn't help anybody. And so as Paul writes this section of Ephesians 2 verses 11 to 22... I believe that he's talking about how we can lower the fences that we set and release hope into this world and get our hearts connected to the God who is a never-ending source and flow of hope. Does that make sense? So what I want to talk to today is Paul's instructions for knocking down fences. And we just sang about that, didn't we, in that, that song. You know, we, we sing, uh, there's no uh, door he won't kick down, right? And every time we do that, I want to kind of like do a little karate kick at a door. But my, 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 my hamstring isn't what it used to be, so I get a little nervous about that, right? But, but, but there's no mountain that he won't climb up, right? There's no door that, that he won't kick down. And one of our responsibilities is to, to knock down the fences that we put around our faith that prevent our faith going where God needs it to go. 
I have some experience, recent experience of knocking down fences on our cleanup day at the school last week. Uh, I'd been working about two minutes and it was certainly time for the first break of the morning for me. <laughs> and so I leant against this fence that we didn't realize was on the list of things to be fixed <laughs> and quickly uh, learned how to break a fence. And I'm still struggling from it today. It's like the thorn in my flesh that reminds me to be a fence breaker, right? So how do we tear down those fences that protect a faith that's supposed to be free? So then, Paul says, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. You know the first thing? that Paul is saying about these fences that we trap ourselves in with. He says, you must remember where you came from. You must remember that as you build this fence that keeps you safe and protects your hope, that there was a time not too long ago when your life was lived outside the fence. When you were hopeless, when you were in despair, when you had nothing, he says, remember. And he's calling us to remember the faithfulness of God. That while we are now insiders with Christ, there was a time when we were outsiders. And as he's saying remember, he's reminding us to remember the faithfulness of God. It is in remembering the faithfulness of God that we remember the reason for our hope. We must not forget, as we build fences to protect ourselves, that once we were outside the fence. We were distant from God. He tells us a little bit about this. He says, when you were distant from God, you were living in the flesh. Verse 11, you were called the uncircumcised by those who were circumcised. You know what he's saying there? Those who were insiders were calling you outsiders. Many of us have been in situations like that, right? Where we've been the outsider. And it isn't pleasant at all. And while we're now insiders with Christ, we must never forget that we were outsiders once in the flesh, which is done by human hands. Man, that's part of the problem with being an outsider, right? Is that we, we have to rely on ourselves. We have to try and do it ourselves and, and build it ourselves. Goes a little bit deeper. Because he really wants them to remember what it was like. He says, at that time you were without Christ. And you were excluded from the citizenship 
of Israel. That, that means you are, you are outside of the people of God. He said you are foreigners to the covenant of promise. You, you, you didn't even know that you didn't even know that God had some wonderful promises for you. And then he says this phrase that I think is one of the um, most descriptive um, phrases in scripture uh, to define despair. He says, you are without hope and without God in the world. There, there are a few states that we can live in psychologically that are worse than being without hope. Yet, we were there once. We were living without God. That those of us who've been, been following Christ for a while, we can't imagine a life without God with us. But there was a time when we were the outsiders, when we were the forgotten, when we were the ones that, that didn't matter to anybody. And so often we forget that and we build fences around our faith because we want to protect it. The, the, the Jews were the people of God. The Gentiles were, were far from God. Man, they, they hated each other. If a Jewish girl married a, a Gentile man, the Jewish girl's father would have a funeral for her. They, they hated each other. It was those on the inside and those on the outside. And Paul is reminding us that we were on the outside. Think of some of the, the rivalries that we experience today in, in sport, right? Uh, FSU and the Gators, right? Go Gators. Go Gators. <laughs> what Paul is saying is that, hey, you're a Gator fan now. But you want to know how bad it was? You used to be an FSU fan. There's something repulsive about it, right? I mean, you know, insert your own sports team here, right? He's saying we, we used to belong to the outside. Let's not forget that we were an outsider. If we want to deconstruct and knock down this fence that we build around us that protects our faith, the first thing we have to do is to remember with great empathy and great compassion that we were once outside the fence, right? We maybe are now, but there was a time when we weren't. And we were without hope and we were without God. One of the things that stirs my compassion the most is at a funeral. And that compassion is stirred rarely, primarily because of the deceased person. What hurts most at funerals is when I see people and families who are grieving, as James says, without hope. Because they have nothing to hang on to, nothing to cling to. That they have lost something that feels so permanent to them. But we must remember that once we were without hope. 
We must empathize and understand so that we can have compassion on those outside the fence, right? The first thing that Paul says is remember what it was like to be hopeless without the fence, without hope. We've all been there because if we weren't there, we're not insiders with Christ, right? None of us are born into relationship with Christ. None of us are there on our own merit. We come to Christ because we need Christ because our sin had put us as outsiders. We must never forget that we were once an outsider. The first thing is to remember hopelessness outside of the fence. He continues... To give us reason to rejoice. And to rejoice that Jesus has removed that fence for us and for all. Verse 13, but now, right? It's a transitional statement. You were like this. Do you remember that? But now, he's talking about the presence. But now in Jesus Christ, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This phrase, uh, brought near, was a word that was used when someone converted to Judaism. And now he's kind of uh, expanding that further, offering it to everybody, to the church in Ephesus, the people of Ephesus, and the whole world. He's saying, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That sounds like a kind of phrase from a Stranger Things episode, right? When we talk about the blood of Christ and the goriness of it and that kind of stuff. But the blood of Christ, the shed blood of Christ is not something that should mess with us. It's something that we should celebrate because it was that shed blood that forgave our sins and removed our sins and brought us closer to God. He's saying, remember that you were once hopeless. But now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you have hope. Verse 14 when we realize this, we realize that he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In the flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from two, resulting in peace. You might want to just look at that on your phone or your Bible because that is a profound statement. That those who were outside and were foreigners to God, because of what Christ has done, are now insiders. And we're not actually two different groups before God. We're one group because we all follow the same God. 
It's not that, that, that Christ does away with our, our personalities and our culture and our heritage. It's that he presides over it as the Christ, as the anointed one, as the, the Messiah. And he says, now you are one person because of Christ. You are a, a new person. There are two words for new in the Greek language. One is in um, new, like brand new, like uh, I got a new thing, right? Never had it before and now it's, it's new. The other word for new talks about depth and like a new level. And this is the word that is used for new man here. There is a, a new level of godliness and a new level specifically of peace. He's saying you are outside, but now you're inside. There was a division between those who had and those who had not. There was a decision. Um, a division between the, the Gentiles and the Jews. But now, because of Christ, and because Christ is for all, the two have become one, and a new nation, a new people have been born, and that, that has peace. You didn't have hope. Now you've got peace. He did this so that he could reconcile God in one body. He put to death hostility. He made peace. We were outsiders. We were hopeless. We must never forget that. But because of what Christ has done, we're now insiders who've been reconciled with God and, and who have peace. It says he's, he's torn down the dividing wall. The, the, the reference there is um, in the temple, right, right in the, the, the back you had the Holy of Holies, which is where, where God dwelt, the, the, the closest you could be to God. But around that, there were all these walls. And you could only get close to God if you checked all the right boxes. And for the Gentiles, they were allowed to go into the outer courts, but they couldn't get, get any closer. What Paul is saying is because of what Jesus done, those dividing walls that created a hostility that said there are two kinds of people have been destroyed because of Christ. And now there's no hostility. There is peace. And we have a responsibility to shed and to share this peace with a hopeless world. Don't forget you are an outsider. But rejoice and celebrate too that Jesus has knocked down those walls so that you can come in and others can come in. Verse 18. For through him... We all have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, 
Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being put together and is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in you, in his spirit. So often we want to protect this hope we have, right? But that's not the way of the gospel. The gospel is not something that goes on the defensive and protects. It's something that goes on the offense and loves. And so how do we engage? First of all, we remember that we were once on the outside. We rejoice that we're now on the inside. Because of what Christ has done, we can be in relationship with him. But then in his final verses, Paul gives us an exhortation that says, don't just sit there and become fat and happy being inside. You let Christ build himself and form himself in you so you can look outside the fence and go and invite all those that God loves, which is everybody, to come to know him and experience his hope and his peace. We were outside, now we're inside, but we have a responsibility to go and love and reach and care for those on the outside. And that's hard to do, so he has to remind us who we are. He says, you are no longer a foreigner. You are no longer a stranger to God. In fact, you are a friend of God. You are deeply beloved of God. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. You know, when some people get married, they kind of uh, will hyphenate their last name a little bit. Because they want to keep their own identity and take on the, uh, the spouse's identity as well. It's, it's good. But I was thinking about this the other day. When it comes to our relationship with God, there is no hyphenation in our name as a child of God. Right? I, I'm, I'm not part Andy as I follow Christ. I, I'm laying down the old Andy so that I can pick up Christ. You know, I became a uh, U.S. citizen, what was it, five or six years ago? Honey, something like that. Thank you. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but thank you for the congratulations. And, and so when I, you know, kind of made that pledge, raised my hand, did the thing, I was told at the time that, hey, that's it, you're in. When we got back from England a few weeks ago, uh, I realized that my insurance payment hadn't been taken out of my bank account. So I'm like, this is... I mean, I'm always glad to see more money in the bank account, but I mean, you know, insurance is what it is. So I called my insurance company and they said, uh, oh yeah, we canceled your insurance. I'm like, what? Why, why'd, you do, why'd you do that? She said, well, it wasn't, wasn't us. And they got on the phone and they followed all the processes and they said, it's because we didn't have proof that you were an American citizen. And I'm like, well, what? I've, <laughs> I've given you proof. I've... I, 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 I've you know, showed you my certificates and all this kind of stuff. And they did a little bit deeper. And they said, oh, yeah, we, we, we got them. 
<laughs> yeah, very impressive organizational stuff. But something inside of me reacted that my citizenship was been questioned, right? And, and I thought, how long do I need to keep proving to you and whoever that I am now a citizen of this country? One of the things that Paul is saying here is that if we are following Jesus, we don't need to keep proving ourselves to God. We are no longer foreigners. We are no longer strangers. We have a new identity in him that is irrevocable. Paul says in Romans that God's giftings and callings are, are irrevocable. And as we realize that, we start to build, right? We build on, on the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. We, we set Christ as the, the cornerstone of our life. He, he's the foundation. He's the one that, that all of our decisions are made on and made through and made for and made from. Says when we're trusting in him, this whole building has been put together and it grows as a holy temple in the Lord. And it's a place where God dwells by his spirit. He talks about building this holy temple. And what he's really talking about is, is the church, right? And he's not talking about the bricks and the mortar and the stuff. He's talking about how he's taking his, his people and he's shaping us. And, and, and Paul is saying, I see God fulfilling something that Jesus said would happen. In the book of Matthew, Jesus said, I will build my church. Remember that? He said something else. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Going back to the beginning. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And at first glance, we read that verse. And it sounds like we have to protect the church. That we have to close the gates of heaven so that, that hell doesn't get in, right? That we have to build a fence around us to protect what God has given but that's not what Jesus was saying. As we hear him say, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. That isn't a call for the church to become defensive and protect ourselves. It's actually a call for the church to go on the attack, to go on the offensive, to go into the places that are dark and dingy and nasty and painful and hurting and hell-like. And to bring the love and life of Jesus there. Jesus said, don't build a fence. Go love. Go give. Go care. Go share. Paul says exactly the same thing. But so often we build these little fences around us, right? My faith, my God, my hope, my peace. I'm going to protect it at all costs. 
That's not the gospel. The gospel says, remember that once you were on the outside, you were as broken and nasty and hurting as those that, that are on the outside today. But now you're different because you have received this peace from Christ and grow in Christ and build your life on Christ. But as you do that, go. Step over those, those fences. Break down those walls. Climb those mountains. Do one of those things to what was it? The doors? Is that what we sang about? No wall you won't kick down. Do one of those things, right? Already feeling it. <laughs> that was like two inches off the ground. <laughs> but that's the gospel, right? That's the gospel.